Hi, I'm Lee Gerstman, and I no longer banned from this podcast. I use my hand on Ralph and my mouth on Ian, and that's why I'm back. So deal with it, bitches. Here they are. Dr. Fuck and Wadzilla. I still think they're fucking assholes. Hey, schmack of gob It's me, Dr. Fuckalicious. And with me is... Oh, yeah! The Ayatollah Alcoholic and Wadley. What's up, Ralph? I'm doing good. How you doing, buddy? Not too bad. Not too bad. Just hanging out on a Saturday night ready to knock out some of these fan episodes we got. But before we get into it, though, we got a new iTunes review this week. Do we? Oh, oh do we? <laughs> and this is a one-star review. Oh, no. That means it's a bad review. <laughs> yeah. And this one, I think he's lying about his name. But the name is Camel St. Sains. Camel St. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it's entitled Boring and Immature in Capitals, nonetheless. Hell yeah! <laughs> but oh, Camel Toe says, and I quote, This show is the work of a drunk middle-aged buffoon and a senior citizen who is deluded in thinking he is the greatest. But, uh, These guys. <laughs> I'm not deluded, I am the greatest. Right, Nick? <laughs> you got it, brother. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are not the podcast kings. They are chumps, too. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Slow down there. How does he know we're the podcast king? I think he knows more. See, this ain't some random person that just heard our episode. He must know a lot about us knowing that we are the winners of the podcast king contest. Am I right? Oh, yes. And, uh, you know, I guessed who this was in the first sentence. But uh, I think it's made painfully clear. And uh, see if see if you out there in, in uh, podcast land can guess who this is. Right, but he me... goes on to he goes on to say, "This is as bad, if not worse, than free snore rock podcast with a drunk moron who looks like his teeth got smashed in with a bag of smashed asses. I don't know. Like he was a he he put a and then a bunch of his uh, asterisks and shit." Where is free is a bore? Where, yeah, where free bore is bad Wayne and Garth sketch outtakes. This is watching bad outtakes from Beavis and Butthead or Bill and Ted movies. Always talking your mom jokes, disrespecting an autistic man who helped make their show listenable. Then after he forced to leave the show, RMCP went to degeneracy the former podcast colleague the former podcast colleague of theirs I refer to has a show that is better than these two shows combined watch on YouTube I do feel sorry for Vieira but Fraudzilla needs to find AA go to rehab and find Jesus Christ his savior after listening to various episodes this show is just immature 
and degeneracy at its worst. Go on YouTube and watch Terrence Reardon and Friends instead. <laughs> Gee, I wonder who this could be. At least he isn't a perfectionist and speaks his mind, which nobody has the cojones to do so. Avoid like COVID. <laughs> no, I have no clue who that is, Ian. Not yeah, a- me either. But <laughs> and I, by the way, I like he, that he, fucked up, or he fucked up when he said, you need AA. Uh, yeah. That's right. you need AAA because of your car problems. That's right. <laughs> and I, I love that he puts uh, avoid like COVID, because we all know Terrence doesn't believe in COVID. That, that, that's a conspiracy by the Democrats. Yeah, so it can't be Terrence. <laughs> and who else would recommend the Terrence Reardon and Friends? Yeah. Which right there, that's a goddamn lie. Where, where's these friends he keeps speaking of? <laughs> is, he talk, is he talking? Is he is he referring to Pink Panther? <laughs> he knows Freeform Rock Podcast and he knows where the podcast came. Nope, this ain't no random guy that just found our podcast one day. Oh, and I, I love that he, he's insulting uh, Mark Allen Taylor. You know, like a mirror doesn't do that enough. Um, <laughs> he, he's sitting there. Uh, Mark has posted screenshots of all these posts from Terrence, like begging him to be his friend again and you know, we would be pals if it wasn't for those uh, damn Rock and Metal Combat podcast guys. Please be my friend again. And Mark keeps fucking, you know, not responding to all this. You know, it's pretty bad if Mark doesn't even want to be your friend. You know? But, uh, whoo! <laughs> I, I, I love it. Keep them coming, uh, Camel Saint Saints. I hope he changes every week like Andrew Jacobs. Yeah, I think I think it was actually a positive review. That thing he said in the end, like they're the uh, degenerates and all that. It's like, yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it is a compliment. <laughs> but uh, yeah, keep those reviews coming. The good and the bad and the ugly, I will read them all with pleasure. We got to get into the news right now, and unfortunately, it starts out on a bum note. Yeah, I know what you're about to say. Two people died this week. Two people from the same band. Same band and on the same day. Oh, man. Lost Jeff Labar and Gary Corbin. And we hung out with Jeff Labar. Was that list or what? We had the the greatest time hanging out with Jeff uh, after the comedy show. I believe it was at Rockin' Pod 2. Um... what a cool guy, you know, and I'm just so happy we got to meet him, and and he laughed at my jokes, and was just a super, super sweetheart of a guy, and so was Gary Corbett, and Gary, I, I had met him, but we never got a chance to interview him or talk to him, but, uh... Oh, wow, he was at Rockin' Pod, huh? Yeah, he was at every Rockin' Pod. I never met him, I, I didn't even know he was there, damn, that sucks, I would like to say hi to him. Yeah, but... Man, go go check out those Decibel Geek episodes he's on. Cause I mean, what a cool guy! There's and if the, you're the one, oh I, my god, Kiss Nerd. I mean, he's got uh, some great stories about his tenure with the hottest band in the world the in one 1978. I, the one I recommend Ian is when it's an episode where he just talks about Eric Carr. That's a really good Decibel Geek episode. Yeah, 
but they're, they're all good. I think he did at least two, two, maybe three episodes with Decibel Geek. But was such a nice guy, and it was so sad because you know there was reports that they had got his cancer, and he was on the mend, and then it just took a turn for the worse, you know. Yeah. And I don't know if that was a rumor, but what I saw was it was completely gone. I was like, goddamn, because the initial report was it was fatal. That's it. It's terminal cancer. And then somebody wrote it completely went away. And then a couple of days later, he died. Yeah. So I, and I think that was true. That it was probably a rumor, a real cruel rumor. Well, I, I mean, I mean, there's a good chance that they might have got it, but maybe it had just done so much damage that, you know, I mean, it, it's hard to say, and we don't know. But it's it, it's sad regardless, because he was a cool guy and. Uh, you know, and, and so far, I don't think they've released anything on, you know, the cause of death uh, for Jeff Labar. I mean, it was very well known as struggles with alcohol. And that's why Cinderella wasn't touring, because, uh, you know, Tom Keeper pretty much refused to do anything with them until he got sober. And and Jeff fully admitted, yeah, it's all my fault because I, I still drink. And, uh, you know, and kudos to, to Tom Keeper for saying if it, if it's not these four guys I'm not calling it Cinderella so you know you but, know uh, also Justin Childers turned me on to one of his solo songs that was really good like causing beat you up something like that it oh was, yeah no I got that when I, I told him when we met him that I really dug uh it was like it was an EP I believe but yeah, it was really yeah. good really really good I never yeah. heard it until he, after he passed away I was shocked. Justin Children, shout out. Man, and I, I just saw a video that somebody posted of uh, Jeff at their house with an acoustic, and he was playing Coming Home by Cinderella. And, and, you know, did all the vocals, man, and his voice sounded great. I was like, wow. Uh, I mean, I knew he sounded good on that EP, but to hear him sing, you know, something that's, you know, you always think of Tom Keeper's voice. But he did an amazing version and you know it's sad. He, you know he leaves behind a son and and, and a girlfriend. And uh, yeah, man, fifty eight years old. And, and I, you know, I, I remember when Night yeah. Songs came out. And yeah, I'm trying to imitate him in my basement and shit. You know, and you know I still love Cinderella. Luckily, I saw him live. When you when Ian when you were imitating him, did you fuck up your guitar when he tried swinging around you and it hit the wall? Yeah, I fucked up the ceiling because I had like a, it was one of those snapped together ceilings in the basement and I tried sliding around and the head of the guitar went right to the ceiling, broke the tile and just stuck there. Almost <laughs> kind of lifted me off the fucking ground. I'm like, oh shit. You know what's funny? I said that as a joke and actually it really did happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, true story, man. That shit happened. But, Ian, how cool was it? It was like at least 45 minutes or an hour that guy hung out with us after the show oh yeah and it was so nice you know and aaron and uh uh chris were there i think baco was with us too and it might have been a couple other people but uh yeah just so nice man and you know i made a bunch of jokes and and he was laughing and he just hung out with us man and it was so just he was one of the guys no no fucking attitude you know he was feeling no pain that night <laughs> you know but uh but a real good guy, and you know, I'm glad we had that that moment with him. You know, it's just 
it, it, it's sad there wasn't more. I know I was trying to get Chris to get him to come to the Rockin' Pot every year, and he'd always be close, and then didn't happen. But, uh, yeah, just a damn shame. Damn shame. And another sad news, Sammy Hagar's still alive. Still fucking alive. Still fucking alive. I know, I just I saw the story about the guy from, from Blink-182. That's and I fucking I hate them. Oh God, do I hate that fucking band? But I don't want him to die. As long as Sammy Hagar's still alive, I, I don't think no more rock stars should die until Sammy's dead. Was Blink One Eighty Two that guy that was in a plane crash and lived? No, that was the drummer. That was the drummer. This is the singer and bass player, guitar player. But he has like he has some like stage four cancer. That sucks. And he's he's a young guy too, you know. But god damn it, I, I may hate his band, but I don't wish death on him. I saved that shit for fucking Samuel Horatio Hagar. Yeah, he didn't ruin Van Halen, right? But and, and here here's the mind freak of this episode. I actually, for once, have to say something good about Sammy Hagar this week. Oh, yeah, and. Trust me, I don't like doing it, but I got to be honest. You know, he came out the other week and he was talking trash about Dave's voice and Dave and all this shit, you know. He's so fixated on the man he'll never be. But, uh, you know, and now he's trying to copy him and, and play in Vegas like him. But I heard they released uh, footage of him, you know, practicing with his new band. And it's like Sammy Hagar and Friends and they're doing, you know... Van Hagar, they're doing Montrose, uh, you know, and, and Led Zeppelin songs and all these other, you know, because they can't just play, you know, his solo shit. And nobody wants to hear those fucking songs. But there, there was footage leaked. Uh, there's audio of it singing Wasted Years by Iron Maiden. Oh, shit. And, uh, wow. I don't think I, for somebody his age, I don't think I've ever heard him sound like this. Why don't we play that clip? Oh man, I'm dying to hear this. Let it roll. From the coast of gold, across the seven seas, I'm traveling on far and wide. But now it seems I'm just a stranger to myself. And all the things I do sometimes, it isn't me but someone else. I close my eyes. And I think of home Another city goes by In the night Ain't it funny how it is You never miss it till it's gone away And my heart is lying there And it will till my dying day So understand to waste your time always searching for those wasted years. Face up, make your stand, and realize you're living in the golden years. Too much time on my hands, I got you on my mind. Can't ease this pain so easily. And when you can't find the words to say, it's hard to make it to another day. Shut up. 
and it makes me want to cry. I throw my hands up to the sky. So understand. You're no fun. Hey, wow, that was uh, quite interesting. Who was that, Ian? Tell him to shut up. That fucked it up, man. Was so, that, uh, that was that was Michael Anthony. You know, I, he likes to do the background vocals, and I, th I think he kind of felt like Sammy was stepping on his toes there a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, wow, he he sounds good for eighty-five or however old he is. You know, I gotta agree with you. I've never heard him sound that good. I, I I can see why he's selling out in Vegas. There, that's some stellar talent. When I heard he was playing Vegas, I thought, shit, I didn't know there were phone booths in Vegas. Well, back to the bad news. Uh, Lexi Fox has quit Steel Panther. What? That's uh, the bass player, right? Yep. Wow. That's yeah, I don't, I don't know who they're going to get to replace him. Uh, Dave my, my, yep, my money's on Dave Ellison. It'd be perfect. Uh, that was sad to see. I, I, I dig Steel Panther. And I've missed them the last couple times they were here, and they're coming here again in the fall. Go see them. And I was, I was, I was planning on going. Have you seen them? No, I've never seen them. Dude, they are so much fun live. But you have to see them in a club. When I saw them open for Priest in like an arena, it didn't translate well. But in clubs, they are so much fucking fun. Right. Yeah, definitely go see them. But yeah, it's going to start without Lexi and his mirror on stage. Yeah. You know? And, and you, you never know with Steel Panther. I don't know if this is legit or if, or if it's a joke because even the press release was pretty funny. But, uh, you know, they did. I can't remember if it was. They were getting ready to tour or record and they had to postpone it because he went into rehab. So, not quite sure what the issue is there, but hey. You know, Dave Ellison needs a job, so. You know, I uh, just saw today, Ian, them doing Don't Stop Believing with, um. Joey Belladonna? Yeah, and it was, it looked like the drummer was on bass. Spits really? Yeah, it looked like the drummer was playing bass. Ah, I, I saw the link, but I didn't watch the video yet. It's great. I mean, fuck, Belladonna fucking is awesome. He did oh, it. Oh, hell yeah. He did it justice. He's such a great singer, man. And I, and yeah. I, I brought this up. It's going to be on a future. Um, it's going to be on a future vi video I made. I made a video about Anthrax, and you know what's a big shame about Belladonna is that they don't let them write any music. Now there's a CD out there called Sunrise Sun that has Ray Gillen and Mike Starr. I don't know if you ever heard right. of it. Dude, Joey Belladonna writes two songs on there that, in my opinion, is better than anything. Of uh, persistence or speaking for you, you know, and it was around that time when they kicked them out. And I'm thinking, why do? I mean, listen to the song "Hard Life to Live." That guy, that's a great fucking song. I don't see why they don't give him fucking any, you know, input. But whatever. I'm, I'm not sure. I really loved his first solo album that was just called Belladonna. Yeah, I have that. I, I thought it was kick ass. Now I don't know. I don't know if I ever checked the liner notes to see who wrote what, but I thought it was really solid. I've always been a huge Joey fan. I'm so happy that I finally got to see him with Joey because I never got to see him, you know, in the classic era. 
but I caught him on the last tour. And yeah, you know what? Anthrax is, one of, Anthrax is one of those rare bands, Ian, that if you see Anthrax now with Belladonna, it's really no different than the 80s, where, you know, all these legacy bands, you know, they're not as good as they used to be. Right. Anthrax is just as good as they were in the 80s with Belladonna. So seeing Anthrax live, and you know me, I'm a big critic of Anthrax, but Anthrax fascinates me because I I am hooked on this. Have you been keeping up with those documentaries? Oh, I love them. Love They're them. Good. Even those albums I don't like, I love hearing about it. You know? Oh yeah, they did a great job with that. Oh, I'm loving it. Yeah, I totally am loving it. All right, next story. Uh, Here's somebody I know Chris was trying to get at Rock and Pod, but uh, apparently he picked another expo. Original Kiss drummer Peter Chris will appear at the Knoxville Fanboy episode in Tennessee. Fanboy? Uh, so you can meet the likes of William Shatner, George Takai, and Peter Chris at the Knoxville Fanboy Expo. Uh, apparently he's going to be signing copies of his new book, I'm the original drummer from Kiss, and all I got was a blowjob from Ace Fraley. <laughs> uh, hey, you know, yeah. Will Shatner looks great. He's in his 90s now, you know that? Yeah. 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 Incredible. And, and he has more of a singing career than Peter Chris at this point. <laughs> Crazy how shit works out. Cookie stuff, I tell you. Oh, no, what? let me interject. I got a story. Yeah. Uh, I did jury duty a couple weeks ago. <clears throat> and while I'm doing jury duty on my phone, I get a notification that, and I know you know this, Metallica's releasing the Black Album, a box set. Right. And, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of the Black Album, but I looked at it I looked at it anyway. And holy shit, dude, the amount of shit it brings. And I it may not be a big fan of the Black Album, but I'm a huge fan of the tour. And it has all this pro shot footage. I, I bit the bullet, dude. Right there in jury duty on my phone, I bought it. And um, so the other day, I said, you know what? I'm going to listen to the Black Album. I haven't heard it in a while. And it's a CD, what we were talking about earlier. I put on right. this. CD. And dude, you know what, man? I mean, I still hate, I especially hate wherever I may roam. I hate Unforgiven. I hate um, Nothing Else Matters. You know, and yeah, I understand that's whatever. But dude, it's, it's, you know, it's not as bad as I remember. It's, it's a heavy metal album. You know what I'm saying? Like, Holier Than That was pretty cool, but better than I remembered. Um, God That Failed, I always loved. In, uh, Through the Never. I was like, dude, this ain't that bad of an album. But still, I really did buy the box set for all that, those DVDs it brings. And I got to tell you this, if you go anywhere online to look for these Metallica box sets that have been released already, they're going for insane amount of money. I think that oh, it's is like 800 bucks. And she, I have them. I bought I bought the first three, and somebody gave me in Justice for All. And uh, you know, it's it's a good investment. Let me tell you, man, buying these box sets when they're new. If you want to flip it, you're you're gonna come ahead a few hundred bucks. You know. What What did they sink you for that? Two hundred and twenty something dollars. But but it is insane Ian, the amount of shit. Oh. Oh, no, I, I saw, you know, and unfortunately, I think that's the biggest box set yet with the most stuff. I mean, it makes sense. It's their biggest selling album, but. You know, you it, know, 
this is going to sound blasphemous, but it's the truth. The truth is the truth. I own all the box sets. Dude, with Cliff, those live recordings are kind of ranky. They're not that good. I'm talking about the performance. Yeah. But you listen to Injustice for All, those are great performances. Yeah. I, have you ever noticed that? Have you ever listened to those Cliff Burton live uh, CDs that these things bring? They, they, uh, they sound sloppy and not that good. Yeah, I might have listened to a few when I when I got those. Uh, I still need to like listen to a lot of those box sets in their entirety. But uh, I don't know. I, I mean, the only time I ever saw Metallica was on the Black Album tour, and it was it was a great show. I mean, they only played three songs from the Black Album, so I was happy oh, about that. Must have been early in the tour, huh? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I can't remember. That, I know the album came out in the fall, and I saw him in November. And, uh, yeah, I think it was Sandman, Sad But True, and Unforgiven were the only ones they played. Yeah. And the the, when the I rest of it was killer. They, wherever I may roam, Through the Never, I remember, uh, of Wolf and Man, which is another song I like when I heard it again. So it's it's not horrible. Uh, as I mean, it got worse. I mean, the loads make it sound like Master of Puppets, you know? Um, right. Oh, of course. But yeah, man, I went back and listened, and I thought, yeah, you know what? It ain't as bad as I thought it was. But still, I mean, the main reason I'm getting it is for all those fucking killer shows, because dude, that Black Album tour was godly. I saw it three times. Nice. Right on. What else we got in the news, dude? Well, good to see Overkill's coming back to the stage, and uh, they're doing a show called Six Hundred and Nine Fucking Days. What does that and mean? That's because that's how long it's been since they were supposed to play this show. Oh. That got canceled because of the pandemic, and it's crazy to think it's been that many days, but damn. Uh, but, you know, great to see them, you know, and you're talking about the Black album, you know, it makes me think of, of Overkill's I Hear Black. I love that you album. Know? But, oh, I do too, and I think that's like, that's how you, you change tempos, but still remain fucking who you are man i highly recommend that album to anybody i hear black you want to hear a better black album there you go yeah yeah it's better for sure glad, glad to see them playing again and i was glad to see that you liked i just got done watching the video and then i saw you had made a post about dd verney's new side project oh that shit was awesome you like I, it i loved it you know but i i like you know that kind of straight cats you right. know, rock and type shit. Uh, you know, but I thought he did an amazing job. You know, and had some good musicians with him. And, uh, you know, it was funny seeing the response on Blabbermouth. You know, a lot of people loved it. A lot of people were like, eh, no fucking way. But, uh, yeah, no, I really dig it, man. I'll check out the whole album. I thought it was really cool. And, and for Dee to do something that different. I know he's done, you know, he had the solo album that was different. And he had... Uh, you know, his band, uh, Bronx Casket Company. Uh, you know, the Bronx Casket Company was kind of like his, like, typo-negative type, you know, gothic deal. You know, and his solo album was kind of all over the place. But uh, I, I dig it, man. Glad to see him trying something different. You know, but then again, you and me both agreed, uh, I'd rather listen to Paul Stanley's Soul Station than, than the newer Kiss shit, <laughs> you know? I mean, Not I that bad. I didn't know you liked Soul Station. I liked it. 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't listen to the whole thing, but what I heard, it's like, yeah, I don't mind. I mean, I like those songs. I like that type of Motown shit anyway, so. Me too. But, uh, now, here's a box set that, uh, you should get this one. Actually, what you should do is is sell that hunk of shit fucking Gene Simmons box set you got to some <laughs> fucking kiss nerd who's never left his mom's house, never kissed a girl. You, could, you, you want to talk about something you could probably sell you know, for retarded amounts of money, and you could buy the new Judas Priest Massive 42 CD box set. Yeah, I saw this, but you know what, Ian? I mean, it's great as far as the live recordings, but it's all it's all CD. Yeah. And holy shit, are, are they small? It's a tiny box set. And it, it, it looks like, from what I can see, all the albums come, like, just in, like in a little cardboard sleeve. You know what I mean? They don't come in, in cases or anything like that. It's just a little cardboard sleeve. I have a lot of box sets like that. Fog hat, boys are called. Yeah. Well, even if I remember right, Metalology box set that they put out was like that. Yeah, it was, yeah. So, uh, but man, you want to talk about, you know, shit, ton of unreleased shit, man. I can't wait for Mr. X to give me that one. Yeah, uh, the shows are what I'm interested because in, goddamn, I mean... I own all those albums on vinyl and CD. Right. Uh, but I was just—I was hoping for something from Point Entry Tour, but didn't didn't see anything from that. I have but, a great one. I have a really good sounding Point of Entry Tour show. I believe from New Jersey. Nice. I think yeah. I think I have a bootleg from that too. But I was hoping for something. You know, something maybe that was cleaned up a little bit. But uh. Man, and then I, I had to check and see, well, like, what are they charging for this thing? 500 bucks. Fuck! No, no yeah. thing. Yeah. Now, I, I'd much rather have that than, you know, the, the Black Album box set, but still, I'm not going to pay 500 bucks for this shit. I'm sorry. I, I love Judas Priest. I, I want to support him, you know, but, uh, but you know, that they, they turned us down for an interview. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, well, you know, at least they, they, they said they might talk to us once the new album comes out. Oh, did you see Johnny Rotten's getting sued by two members of the Sex Pistols? Yeah, I did see that. And I, I was shocked that it wasn't uh, Steve Jones, one of them. I thought for sure it would have been. Because isn't that documentary a lot about Steve Jones? Yeah, I think it's pretty much the Steve Jones story. Uh, but yeah, I didn't see that. Maybe I misread the article because I, I thought it didn't say who sold, but it, but it's uh, yeah, I saw it. It was a Paul it, Crook and Matlock soon. Oh, wow, wow. <laughs> well, Johnny Rotten, he's he's being a bitch over this, you know. I, I love Johnny Rotten, but uh, yeah, he, he can be a bit of a bitch, and basically, he wanted like a lot of control over the shit, kind of like what Ace and Peter were doing with the kiss thing. And just like, what the fuck, dude? But I gotta tell you, man, when I went and saw him a couple years ago when uh, Pill did a tour, I was really disappointed. I was, ooh, I was expecting a lot better. I think he needs to, he needs to give it up. <laughs> Plus, he's like fucking 300 pounds now. Man, that's crazy how much he's gained weight. Yeah, I don't know if he's got a condition, if it's a medical condition, or he just said, fuck it, you know, I'm 60, I don't care. I mean, no, I get that. I, 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 I feel for him because his wife has dementia. Mm-hmm. And he's dealing with that. 
or his Alzheimer's, one of the two. And they've yeah. been decades, you know? So, and, and you know what, man? I mean, honestly, he may be a bitch and all that, but he's really for the people. He's a great soul, though. You know, he's, he's he fights for the ordinary person. You know, I like that about him, you know? He's always been that way. I, yeah, he, he's, uh, I don't know. And, I, and I've heard from people that met him that he's really nice, which shocked me. Because I, I was afraid to ever meet that guy. Yeah, I've, I've heard mixed things. I've heard he's been real nice, and I've heard he's been a real asshole, too. But, I mean, don't matter. He's Johnny Rotten, man. That's history right there, you know. He's a fucking legend. Love him. But, uh, oh, let's let's talk about another legend that just took a big, uh, big dump on their fucking career. Holy shit. Did you hear this new Iron Maiden track? I liked it, Ian. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I like the video of the song. Oh, God, you like that shit? You know what I like about it? When I first saw it, I was like, well, you know what? It's not, didn't blow my mind or anything. But goddamn, it didn't sound like Maiden. And that's, to me, I like that because they're just so repetitive and they just sound the same over and over. Where this one, it didn't have, you know, General Harris have anything to do with it. It's Adrian and Bruce that wrote it. And it had yeah. this little Egyptian type riff. I dug it, man. I liked it. I mean, oh, I like I liked it because it was different, you know? Well, I, I agree with you there. It didn't sound like Maiden at all to me. It sounded like, you know, something off of Bruce Dickinson's solo album. Uh, but man, you know, I gotta agree with what everybody's bitching about this Kevin Shirley production. You know, he's like their new Martin Birch and has produced everything since Brave New World. But it, it's such a sterile, horrible production. Uh, you know, it reminds me of like a Bruce Fairburn production or anything. I know you're not a big on production, but it just has no balls. It has no punch. And and again, I knew it was going to suck the minute, you know, I hit play on the video and I saw the length of it. I'm like, God damn, another fucking, you know, seven minute fucking song. Get it, get it done already. You know, where's the next Aces High? You know, get in there and fucking get out. Every song they do overstays its fucking welcome, and it's so fucking boring. And I didn't think Dickinson sounded that good either. No, I'll, I'll agree with you there when he strains and shit. Yeah. He's pretty overrated, if you ask me. But he's been this way for too long, you know? He's always been like a strainer, you know? Yeah. Go go take a shit and write a short song. God damn. Yeah. I, I don't know. It doesn't give me much hope for the new album, but of course, you know, I'm going to check it out and, you know, but I, I got a feeling it's all going to sound like that. Only, there, you know, that that's probably the shortest song on the album in seven minutes. I don't think, I don't think it's all going to sound like that. I'm sure it's going to, you know, Mr. Harris will have his hand in it, you know. Boy. All right. Well, let's see if we got anything else going on. That might that might do it for this week. We might as well get into the album we're going to talk about, and that's Allison Chain's debut facelift. Mm-hmm. And, th- and this one is thanks to Mr. Stephen Palmer, who's longtime listener of the show and and always on the Facebook page and. Uh, I'd, I'd love to meet this guy, unfortunately. Well, not unfortunately, but he, he lives over in the UK. 
so uh, haven't got to meet him yet. But just a, a, a great listener, and he wanted this episode so bad. He messaged me like months ago, and he's like, ah, I just can't do it right now. He, he goes, he goes, can you hold the album for me? I'm like, sure, sure, no problem. And, and man, as soon as he had a chance and could afford it, he bought it, and more than happy to do it. And one of the main reasons I was so happy to do that is I've never heard this album in its entirety. Wow. Until I got ready for this review. Wow. Yeah, I, I love Alice in Chains. Uh, you know, got all the albums except for Facelift. And I can't tell you why. It's kind of like how I never bought Nevermind. And I, and I like Nirvana. I, I like all the songs I heard. I think it's just I heard it so much at the time. It's like I almost didn't feel the need to hear it. Because I just heard it so much. But uh, but I was like, oh, that's exciting. I mean, I love this fucking band, and this is an album I should know, but I don't. So I was I was very happy with this pick, and uh, I knew you would like this one too. So thank you, Stephen, for your awesome donation, and we're more than happy to get into this album. And so Ralph, I you know I'm sure you know it a lot better than me. Uh, how did you find out about this? Do you remember back in the day there was this thing called Rock Video Monthly where they would ship you a video, a VHS? No. Alright, back in the day, around that time when the song came out, they would send, like you'd subscribe, and each month they would send you a VHS that have none but music videos. And I got one of them that had We Die Young. And it was their first music video before Man in the Box. Yeah. And I heard this song and I was completely blown away by it. And I thought, holy shit, this band's awesome. So I went out and bought Facelift and this is before Man in the Box was a video. And dude, it was weird because when I heard We Die Young, I mean, dude, I, that shit ain't grunge, dude. That shit's fucking metal. I mean, it's metal. And when I bought the album, <clears throat> And I listened to it its entirety. There's a lot of metal on it, but there's a lot of stuff that it's not grunge to me. It's a it's very Sabbathy. I really dug the album the first time I heard it, and I loved it. And then when they came with uh, the Thrash of the Clash of the Titans tour, <clears throat> dude, it was heartbreaking, man, because everybody's throwing shit at them, and it wasn't like a you know they, nobody gave them a chance. You know, and, that, and then, you know, everybody that gave that throwing shit at them ended up buying the album, you know, a year later. And But it's a great album. And, and you know what? I, I haven't listened to it it's in its entirety for a while. I mean, years. I hear songs here and there on my iPod shuffle. But listening to it today, I, I was listening to it and I was thinking, shit, dude, this is... I don't know now. I, to me, Dirt has always been their best album, and now it's like, I'm not sure if it is. I think this one may be better, but I don't know, maybe not. Uh, but it's a great, great album, solid through and through, all the way. It brought back a lot of memories today, because this reminds me a lot of uh, Hurricane Andrew, like around that time. I, uh, I, that's when I was really into this album. And I was really into Alice in Chains it. And um, and then Man in the Box exploded, and they became huge. But I was into them way before that, you know. 
And I was one of the rare people at the Miami Arena that, you know, wasn't throwing shit at them and wasn't booing them. I really wanted to see them. I really like them, you know, I still do. I think they're head and shoulders above every quote unquote grunge band of the era. There's just something very special about this band. It's just, they're an amazing, amazing band. And uh, and it's, to me, Alice in Chains is like, it's, I listen to it and I think, this is like real. It's like real musicians that are, you know, like, you know, singing songs about what they, you know, you could tell it's just fucking real. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they're all fucking addicts at this time. And it really comes through through the album. I absolutely love Facelift and now it's kind of like, wow, I'm not sure if I like this more than Dirt. You know, because Dirt is such a great fucking album. But, yeah, I love it. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Uh, I was very happy when I listened to this and one of those you know, why didn't I fucking buy this? And again, I have no good answer for it. I liked it. And I just, you know, remember how it was a breath of fresh air. You got to think, you know, around this time came out, it was all about like, you know, the cock rocket turned into like danger, danger and fucking slaughter and shit like that. And Nelson. And it was so watered down. It wasn't dangerous anymore. You know, it's, the guys just got prettier and prettier and the songs got lighter and lighter and you know even the the cock rock bands that we did like were going in a lighter direction everything was fucking bon jovi you know kind of you know that style of we have long hair and we wear leather you know but we write light rock love songs and shit and when this came out it's like okay you know yeah, yeah this is some sabbath shit you know this is this is some real shit this is dangerous and i loved it i mean i didn't hear we die young i mean i i heard it later but man in the box was the first one that i heard and i absolutely loved it and i think i had friends who had it so i would hear it you know in passing or at parties and i always dug it but for no good reason i didn't buy anything till dirt you know, and then I went back and I bought uh, Sap, and but I didn't go back and get facelift. Did you get flies? Oh yeah. Oh oh. Once once I got dirt, you know, and then I went back and bought Sap, which came out in between. Uh, then I bought everything as it came out, and, and again, makes no sense. But I never bought this one, but uh, loved it. And, and they were definitely the most metal of what was considered grunge. I would say even more so than Soundgarden. You know, Soundgarden, I, I love Soundgarden, but they always had a little bit of... Uh, I, think I, I don't know. Soundgarden, you can just tell they, they turned their nose at metal. To me, know? Soundgarden was more hard rock. You know what I mean? Right. Like, they had a more hard rock vibe. I mean, yeah, here and there, like Jesus Christ Pose and shit like that, but... You know, hard rock, like you listen to Slave and Bulldozers, you know, it's like, that's probably as metal as they get. You know what I mean? Right. Shit, I love it. I love Soundgarden. Oh, yeah. They, no, I think the change was better, in my opinion. But you, you can tell, and, and you could tell what their influences were and stuff. You could tell they love metal and listen to metal. You know, you, didn't, you listen to Nirvana, and I love Nirvana. I think great fucking band, but 
you don't hear metal. You know, you you can tell that that wasn't their wheelhouse. You know, but you know they got lumped in with grunge, especially coming from Seattle and shit. But uh, no, a huge fan. Unfortunately, never got to see him live, and I. I Still, I haven't seen them, you know, with, with the new singer, who I love. I love all the new shit. I, I think they picked an incredible replacement. Uh, I think it was a good idea to go with somebody that wasn't already established. They just picked the, the right person for the job, you know, a, a talented artist. And uh, Will Duvall, I think his name is. Uh, a great guy. I think they're still putting out good shit. I love Chris, oh. uh, Chris Cornell. Uh, I love uh, Jerry Cantrell's solo albums. I think it's great shit. I saw them with the new singer. They were they were fucking great. Good, good to hear. Good to hear. And uh, you know, just doing some research on it, I thought it was funny that a, a local uh, concert promoter was gonna pay for their first demo. Like he thought they were so good. He's like, I'm I'm gonna pay for you guys to do a demo. And they were supposed to go to Music Bank Studios in Washington, but uh, the day they were supposed to record, uh, the police busted a marijuana, they did a marijuana raid at the studio that was the largest in Washington State's history at that time. <laughs> so they didn't get to do a demo, but uh, you know they did some stuff themselves and, and they got it to uh, Kelly Curtis and Susan Silver who managed Soundgarden. And, you know, she passed it on to Columbia Records. And, and after the, the president saw him play a show, he's like, okay, yeah, we want this band. And they became a top priority. And Columbia saw that, I think they could, they could tell something was in the water and something was about to change. And I always think about, I think it was the warrant behind the music. Uh, I was about but, to pick that up. Go yeah, where, where he talks about, you know, when they put out Dog Eat Dog, which was, was a heavier album for Warren, but uh, he went to the record studio and he walks in and he sees all this promotion shit for Alice in Chains Dirt and nothing for the new Warren album, you know. But that was, I mean, for those of us who lived through it, that shit, you know, specifically with Nirvana, but when that shit broke, hair metal was dead overnight. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've never seen anything... You know, even, you know, Limp Biscuit and, and, and Rap Rock and all that shit kind of dragged on for a little bit, you know, and didn't have as quick a death as hair metal did, you know, with, with, with when, when grunge kicked in. And he had the combination of that, you know, and then Beavis and Butthead making fun of it and stuff. But it, it was just like a one-two punch that just killed an entire genre, something that, like, ruled the charts for you know for a good six or seven years overnight and and i i got it though because it got so fucking watered down and then you hear something like remind you of when you heard black sabbath and you heard heavier shit you know and even when bands like oh my god kiss were heavier you know uh, and i love that the producer dave jordan produced the the first couple albums and i loved him he worked uh with Jane's Addiction, he did uh, Anthrax, Sound of White Noise. Uh, and, and his quote when he heard Alice in Chains, he said, you know, Metallica took Tony Iommi and sped it up. You took Tony Iommi and slowed it down again. You know, and it's, 
a great fucking analogy, you know, and, and that's what it was, man. You had the the riffs again, you know. You had that slow chugging uh, metal. I mean, I mean, there's no nothing else to call it. It was fucking metal, and you had the incredible voice of Lane, and then you had those perfect background harmonies from Jerry. That uh, you know, everybody always talks about how you know classic Van Halen with Michael Anthony, what a sound, but. I, I tell you what, he, I, firstly, an even better combo, I think, is Lane and Jerry. I mean, just fucking amazing. What, what a fucking sound. And a great drummer, uh, you know, solid bass playing. I mean, they really just had it all. Yep. Very underrated uh, rhythm section. Oh, yeah. Sean Kenny's great. Uh, Matt Starr was great. Then they got uh, Inez, who's incredible. You know, they've always they've always done good. If they had to fill a spot, they've done a damn good job. You know, unfortunately, you know, Lane was just such a presence and so iconic. No matter what they do with Will, we'll never get the attention and we'll, you know, never attain the admiration that they had for Lane, but does a great job. But why don't we get into this and you take the first track, We Die Young. Alright, We Die Young, um, <clears throat> like I said, this is the first song I heard, and it's not grunge, man, you know, uh, grunge was not even a tagline yet when I first heard this. It's got heavy drums, heavy bass, heavy riffs, heavy voice, it's heavy metal, man, you know, <clears throat> I ran out and bought this, like I said, and Man in the Box wasn't out yet, and <clears throat> I was really into them, like, right when this came, unlike Nirvana, Nirvana... I wasn't aware of Bleach, you know, I, I, I got into Nirvana with Nevermind, but <clears throat> it's a short song, but to me the song is like pure adrenaline I get from it, I love that video. And the funny thing about that video, all of them were all fucked up when they filmed it. And you know, there's they're, they're in a pool and they have this thing where they're coming up and it's plastic, like they're drowning, but they were so fucked up that it wasn't plastic, it was I forgot what, I think it was nylon they used so they can breathe because of fear of them dying. They were like all fucked up. And uh, I love it, man. What a great opening track and what a great introduction for Alice in Chains for me. I mean, you know, I'll get into Man in the Box later, but I think this is a better introduction than Man in the Box to get into Alice in Chains. And, you know, the rest of the album is kind of not like this song and it still kept me interested because it was, it was different. You know, and I'll get into those songs later, but this is, I'm glad I saw this first because it's so metal, it made me go out and buy it. Um, I got one thing I fucking hate. I hate that album cover. I just hate that cover. I, I don't know why, what the fuck's up with that album cover, man. But fuck the album cover, the music's what matters. Uh, so yeah, I love uh, We Die Young, great song. Well, before I get into what I think about it, it's funny because the, the video uh, has much to do with the album cover. Originally, they had an idea like it was going to be a like something with a fetus, you know, to show like the birth of the band, and then it was going to be this shit like everybody coming out of an eyeball kind of thing. And then they got the idea, you know, what they did with the video, and that's what the cover is. The the, the cover is Mike Starr. Uh, like in the pool with the fucking shit over. See, I and didn't. They, 
Yeah, and they just colored it and stuff because they had all these different ideas for the album cover and what they were going to do. And at one point, uh, what you see as the uh, the cover of the We Die Young EP, which was released before the album came out, that was going to be the album cover. But they just thought the uh, the picture of Matt Starr was or Mike Starr was so cool and weird. They made that the album cover, and that's when they when Jerry saw the picture, he goes, "We're going to call this shit facelift." And I get it; it is a weird album cover, but. Uh, yeah, it all comes into play with that song, and I love it. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a short one. It's only two minutes and 32 seconds. And I've heard the song so many times, and I've never realized how short it was. But it didn't need any more. I mean, it just delivered everything in that, and just a great, chunky opener. Uh, it's just It's a classic fucking track. But then we'll go into the one that really blew it up. The one, you know, most people's introduction was Man in the Box. And wow, I'll I'll never forget seeing that on MTV for the first time. And not only musically was it so different and, and just real and awesome, but look at the video. Look at how dark that video was, you know, the black and white video. And, uh... You know, I mean, look at how how horrible cock rock videos were at that time. You know, where they're on stage and they're pouting and they're prancing and all this shit. And then you just, you see these fucking dirt bags. I mean, you just looked at fucking Lane's hair was dirtier (laughs) than all these bands put together. And just what a statement. And that, that riff and the fucking talk box on the guitar and shit. What is funny, though is uh, the idea for the talk box part on the song came from producer Dave Jordan, who, on his way to the studio, heard Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer and thought, like, hey, we should do something with a talk box. That's so funny. <laughs> and it was his idea, but, you know, look at what he did with it versus, you know, what Richie Samborin does. But, uh, yeah, man, it, it, what a statement it and what a song. And, you know, hearing what you were saying about, uh, you know, it clashed the Titans. You know, that that must have sucked. I mean, I've been there before when nobody cares about an opening band, you know. And you want to see them, you're excited, and everybody around you is like, boo, you suck, you know. We just want the main band and shit like that. But, uh, you know, looking at the tour they did for this album, not only did they do... Uh, you know, Clash the Titans, but they open up for Iggy Pop, Van Hagar, Poison, and Extreme. <laughs> all all were, were, were shows, tours they did before Clash the Titans. The, that, I mean, the Poison audience must have been horrified. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Extreme. I mean, I could see Iggy Pop fans being like, okay, this is cool. It probably scared the fucking Van Hagar fans, you know, too. And I'll never forget when, uh, you know, there was all those rumors going around that Dave was coming back to Van Halen. And, uh, you know, they were interviewing all these bands. Like, what do you think about, you know, Van Halen getting back together with David Lee Roth? And they talked to Jerry Cantrell, and I think it was Sean Kenny. Uh, 
but you know they became friends you know they were very friendly with van halen they opened up the fuck tour uh for a lot of shows and uh jerry cantrell looked in the camera he's like sammy i love you but no we need david lee roth in this band <laughs> and i love that even though he's friends with him he's like yeah fuck you sammy we need dave back uh, but i can only imagine what it would uh, you know, oddly enough, I see him fitting with Iggy Pop better than any of the other bands they toured with, including Clash of the Titans. But you're absolutely right. A lot of these people who probably booed him there definitely bought this album once uh, once Man in the Box hit. Because it's just, it's an amazing fucking track. And, uh, and again, for those of us who lived through that era, you know what a shock to the system that was and how out of left field it was. And, and I still don't get tired of it, man. If, if I hear that, I don't change it. Uh, no no overkill factor, man. I still dig it. What do you cool. think? All right. Uh, this song, you know, it blew up. I already knew this. And uh, I was, I'll never forget. This. What reminds me of this song so much was when I went to go see Overkill with uh, Dark Angel. And a friend of mine that I've known forever, Metalhead, came up to me and it, Man in the Box was playing, and he goes, he says to me, he goes, dude, metal's dead, dude. This is the future. And I looked at him, and I said, bro, this is metal. You know, <laughs> you know what you're talking about. This is fucking, this is a metal song. You know, it's like, it's got the Sabbathy dark feel, and it's dark, and, you know, it's a very solid song. But I'll be honest, I mean, it is a little burnt out for me. Not a lot. I still love it. You know, I was listening to this album today, and I was like, God, this song is so good. But, you know, compared to a lot of these songs, I mean, there's songs coming up that, goddamn, should get the same recognition of Man in the Box. Um, it's a great song. I love it. I'll take the next one, <clears throat> Sea of Sorrow. Man, Sean Kenny is such a unique drummer. And you hear it in every song, but in this song, you know, it's... It's like a little subdued uh, stuff tucked in that drumming, you know, and Lane's delivery on the song is like chilling. And it's one of the best Jerry Cantrell solos that he did ever in this track. It, I think it's just so badass. I think the whole song is badass. And it sounds like, you know, like a, it sounds metal to me, even though it does have kind of like a more chill element. I don't know, man. To me, it's metal. What do you think of CSR? Uh, I love this one. Uh, I mean, it has all the the elements of a classic Alice in Chains song in it. Uh, was released as a, the well, technically third single because they released "We Die Young" before the album even came out. But it was the second single after "Man in the Box." Um, but I didn't hear it as much. I don't remember seeing the video that much on MTV. Um, definitely didn't hear it on the radio as much as I heard Man in the Box but I love that and, and you know another great thing is I don't have an overkill factor with it because it was one I knew but I just didn't hear it that much but listening to it today you know a couple times I listened to the album I was like god damn what a strong song and I'd put this up you know I think it could fit on any of their albums you know Dirt you know Three you know whatever uh just an amazing track and uh yeah Cantrell sticks out on this I mean everybody does and I love that they 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 were truly a band 
you know, all, all the members were important and contributed. There was no like silent member, or, you know, lame duck member. They were firing on all cylinders. And great, definitely deserves to be uh, considered a classic in their discography. But uh, I'll take the next one, Bleed the Freak. Now, this is one that I'd also heard, uh, but not nearly as much. And this one was uh, the last single off of it. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of funny. You look at the track listing, you know, it, it's almost the order they were released to people. Uh, but I love Bleed the Freak. Uh, solid track. Um, I, this is one I'd love to see live. Uh, would be a good one to bring out. Uh, don't have too much more to add than that, but it's a killer track. And so far, they're four for four. What do you think? Yeah, I love this song. This is a song that is a staple on the set list. Even with the newer lineup, they played Bleed the Freak. Um, to me, Lane sounds like he spent a week in hell. And they let him out just to sing this song. You know, it's... And I wouldn't even call it this singing. It's more like spitting his soul out in this. And uh, like Sean, Mike Starr is very underrated. I love what he does in the song. This song to me gives me chills. Especially, I mean, I know this was a single, but as I recall, I could be wrong, but it, they released it a video of this song, but it was live. It was like a black and white version that you could see on YouTube because today when I was listening to this album, I was like, dude, I know they had a live video for this. So I watched it today and dude, I think the live version is even better than this, than the studio version. This song is fucking, it's religious, dude. This is an amazing, amazing song. One of my favorite songs. Here. And uh, <clears throat> okay, I'll go to the next one. It's called I Can't Remember. And I know I'm going to sound like a broken record when it comes to Lane's voice, but there is there's such a torture in that voice, and and it's equally chilling, you know, to know, you know, his addiction. You know, the guy was so entangled in his addiction that it screamed out like out of his pores, and add this dark, gloomy tone. Um, this song really makes this feel so real, like I was saying earlier. You know, that's what makes this band so special to me, how authentic it all sounds, you know, and the way the song ends abruptly makes it even more chilling to me. I love this song and doesn't get enough praise, not, not really talked about much. I can't remember. It's awesome. What do you think? I love it. And this is one I never heard till today. Wow. Uh, really dig it. And there's a lot of similarities, I think, musically uh, to Man in the Box, but like a, like a slower, slower version, like a, almost a quieter version of Man in the Box musically. But, uh, I mean, Lane just sells the shit out of it, and Jerry's guitar uh, really dig that. You know, and this is, this is when I was, was getting excited. Well, I mean, I was already happy to hear the album, but from here on out, these songs are all brand new to me. And I, I was I was so happy when I heard this. I was like, fuck yeah. Because I, I was one, you know, being the first album and everything. You know, am I going to hear some different shit? You know, is this, you know, is there going to be some growing pains? But, uh, no. Sounds like, 
they hit it out of the park just because it wasn't a single, man. You know, it's not finding any filler here. I absolutely love it. But then we go into Love, Hate, Love. Oh, shit. The longest track on the album. Epic track on the album. And oh, my God. Do I dig this one? This is... Uh, uh, what I, I'm trying to find what I put in my notes. Uh, you, you take this love, hate, love. Because this is almost like a this love before Pantera did it. You know, this came out first. Right. But it's it, it's got that same kind of vibe to me, you know, of a, a tumultuous relationship. And, uh, man, I mean, this is one, you know, you, you mad at your girl or something. Check out this one. And Jerry Cantrell says it's his favorite guitar solo. I don't know if I agree. I mean, I love the guitar, so I don't know if it'd be my favorite, but I absolutely love this track. And this was one on my first listen. I, I went back and played it twice in a row because I thought it was just so, so fucking killer. And like, oh my God, how, how come I'm just hearing this now? You know, why did I never get in this album before? I absolutely love this. I don't know. If, did you ever see him play this live? Yes, they did play this live. Wow. Uh, I'm not sure if they did it, and you can see it on YouTube, the Clash of the Titan show, which I gotta bring up, this is really hysterical. You know what they opened up with? <laughs> uh, a song that they just, it was Lane on drums, uh, Jerry Cantrell on bass, Mike Starr on guitar, and Sean singing. And they were just playing some crazy song and and all he did say all he did was say fuck you fuck you over and over again now <laughs> this was the last show of the the clash of the titans tour so i think by then they knew what to expect from the crowd so they were like let's just go out there and tell everybody to fuck off before we start our set you know <laughs> <laughs> which was great but um uh love hate love <clears throat> it's tied for my favorite track on the album there's another track coming up that it's really hard for me to pick which is my favorite, but this song really grabs me because it's so haunting and it's complex. And <clears throat> what's really cool about this song, what's unique, it has these like empty space that's filled with power and rage and, and melody of Lane's voice. And dude, I cannot picture anybody sing this song but him. When he goes off on this track, it's like, I don't know, dude, all the stars lined up. It's so fucking amazing when he's screaming that part. And musically, it's great, but Lane Staley, to me, steals his song. I mean, the capacity of this man's lungs, you know, it can blow air into a, you know, a fucking blimp, you know? Like I said, man, tied for my favorite track off this album. I love, hate, love. Um, <clears throat> all right, the next one's called It Ain't Like That, you know, and, uh, you know, I haven't really talked about Jerry yet. The fucking tone this guy has on his guitar is so godly, and this song really proves it, you know. It's very, you know, it's a Sabbath-y tune, very metal, and again, I love Jerry's vocals, too, you know, with Lane, what you were saying earlier, and the music's like peanut butter and nectar of the gods, you know. What a killer flow to this tune and with that killer riff. You know, these guys were special, man. A rare mix of great vocal ability and writing skills from both Lane and Jerry. It's just such an amazing killer combination. And I love this song. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, nothing bad I can say about this. You know, I keep, it's weird listening to this because I've got the excitement of knowing it's something I never heard, but I'm still waiting for that fucking shoe to drop, and it didn't fucking happen here. Um, again, I'm going to sound like a broken record as well because it just has everything that you could want in now some Chainsaw, you know, the harmonies, Lane's voice, you know, the, the drumming, the bass playing. It's just, I, I, I'm just kind of amazed by how solid this is for a debut. Uh, I really dig it. I, I love it a lot. And then I'll take the next song, going to Sunshine. And uh, this is one he wrote for his mom, who died in 1987. And the, the album's actually dedicated to his mom. And he said he, he'd always told her as a kid that, you know, he was going to make it big and and he was going to take care of her the way she took care of him. And uh, unfortunately, she never got to live to see it, you know. And I'm sure he had a pretty rough childhood with his mom dying young, you know, his dad, you know. Everybody, you know, listen to the rooster <laughs> and find out about his dad and shit. Um, was that his but, dad's uh, video of rooster? Was that his? Yeah. Yeah, that's his actual dad. Yeah, I thought so. But and uh, this is one he wrote. Uh, they they record half the album in Seattle and the other half in L.A. because the band moved to L.A. after Andrew Wood from Mother Love Bone died, and probably just wanted to get away from that, you know, and you know the memories and the scene, you know, probably wanted to get fucking uh, Lane out of there too, but. Uh, a really, you know, emotional song, a powerful song. And what I really love about him is Alice in Chains are, I mean, not only musically, but even lyrically and the way they handle themselves reminds me of Black Sabbath. They're very good at being dark without being self-pity. And I love that, you know. I love darkness in my fucking metal. But, you know, one of my biggest problems with the grunge scene, you know, and would carry on to, you know, new metal and rap rock is it was just so like, wah, 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 woe is me, you know, talking about bad shit, but, you know, every, always the victim and everything. And I love that Alice in Chains could handle such dark material without, you know, coming off as poor me poor me it was just dark shit musically lyrically everything about it was the the seedy side of life you know it wasn't fucking you know motley crew fuck me suck me party rock uh it was as powerful lyrically as it was musically and uh and, and a beautiful song to write about his mother a really cool track what do you think yeah this song starts off cool kind of psychedelic but after a minute this song even gets better you know the breakdown in that middle of the track man that fucking voice man to me this is the dark horse on the album arguably the most slept on underrated tune they ever did the hook in this song is fucking fantastic and it's one of the best tracks in the whole discography and this is tied with love hate love for my favorite song it's my favorite songs of the album. I can't pick between Sunshine and Love, Hate, Love, but man, this song, man, is like, to me, it's very special and very weird how it's not talked about, you know? It's, it's just strange to me. 
I love it. You know, I love I love it so much. I'd put it up there as my favorite. With love. Well, they they hadn't done it live. I think the last time they did it live was in '91, and then they did it again. I think maybe in 2015, with with Will singing it. So they they went a long time in between playing it, but I, I'd I'd love to hear this live. Yeah, you know it's funny because I saw them in 2015 and they made the set list that night. So I got wow. off, man. I would love to see them because I know for sure they didn't play this at the Clash of the Titans show, and that was '91. But you know it's abbreviated set. You know they opened. It. Right. <clears throat> Put you down. Uh, in this one, you can definitely hear like that 80s metal influence in this song. You know, another badass riff. Some of the riffage reminds me of Rocket Queen from G- GNR. I don't know if you picked yeah. up. It's like, oh, yeah. Reminds me of Rocket Queen, you know. And this is another really underrated track. You know, I, I love Put You Down. I think it's a fantastic song. What do you think? <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny, you know, even as I'm writing my notes and talking about how dark this band is and everything and then this song comes on and from the minute i hear that riff i was like what the fuck is this you, you know it, it kind of you know it reminds me when you see those old pictures when lane had his hair like all done like axel rose from uh you know appetite days where it's all teased and stuff you could tell this was a was an older track you know because it, it is it, it, it's a little too happy almost, you know, guitar-wise. And and this one did stick out like a sore thumb, but I will not go far as to say, you know, it's a bad track. But uh, I would definitely say this one sticks out, and if I had to pick a least favorite track, it would be this. But there's not enough, you know, like, oh, I hate this track. Uh, not at all. But it, to me, it does stick out from, from the others. You know, it sounds like almost a different band. Right. But again, don't hate it. And then we go into Confusion, which, whoo, man. Um, kind of like how you were talking about Love, Hate, Love, and Sunshine. To me, Confusion, this is like a deep track. Um uh, you know, I, I guess to me, just just hearing this, but listen, you know, the couple times I played it, I was like, wow. Um, I love how, you know, it starts off slow and I'm not sure where it's going to go, but I'm digging the vocals and everything. But man, when it gets into the chorus, I just love, I love how it changes the tempo and, and like the whole structure of the song. And uh, man, they, they, they just, they got some great fucking choruses. And I know you don't like the band, but Red Hot Chili Peppers. I love Red Hot Chili Peppers. But I would say their biggest problem of the last 20 years is, you know, they got these really cool verses, and then they fuck it all up in the chorus. You know, like, oh, this is light. It doesn't belong. You should have stuck with where you were going. It would have been more successful. Alice in Chains never had that problem because in almost every Alice in Chains song, you know, is a great chorus. And even when it's like a great song, you don't think it can't go anywhere else, they take it to another level. And this one, I just love the juxtaposition, if you will, uh, of the the verses and the chorus. And this is one I'm definitely, 
definitely going to go back to uh, a lot more often. I really dug this track. What do you think? Oh, I love it. And for the record, I'm a big fan of Mother's Milk. I love that album. Um, <clears throat> Lane's vocals really stand out in the song. I know I sound like a broken record, but, you know, dude, it's just weird how his voice sounds in this mix. It's like, I love that part where he's like, you fall on skin knees and you crawl. I want to see you free. Ah, you know, I recognize my disease. It's so badass. It's all around a fucking amazing song. It's slow, moody, dark, and awesome. This is another standout track. If I had to pick my second favorite after, you know, because it was a tie, it would be Confusion. Absolutely love it. Now, nice. the next song, uh, I Know Something About You. This opening riff and bass line reminds me of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And right. that second riff that starts... Like, you know, like 30 seconds later or something. Kind of reminds me of Led Zeppelin in a way. Uh, then, of course, the vocals and the guitar solo are pure Alice in Chains. But this is probably the most fun you'll hear in an Alice in Chains song. You know, and it sticks out. It sticks out on, the song, uh, on this album, you know. <clears throat> but this would be my least favorite track on here, but I still love it. I, I do love I Know Something About You. What do you think? Well, I agree. I'm a hundred percent. I wouldn't say it's it's my my least favorite. Would probably still be uh, put you down, but uh, again, this does stick out. I, I think this one and put you down are the ones that stick out. Uh, the rest all kind of have a cohesiveness to them. Uh, but I dig it. But I, I love funky shit like that. And it was I was really taken aback. Uh, I did not expect to hear that out of Cantrell. Uh, but I, I think they, they managed to pull it off. You know, they, they do something different, but it, it's not so different that, you know, you think you're listening to another band, but I think it is different for, for the album. And, uh, you know, to my knowledge, I don't think I've heard another track where, you know, they even come close to this kind of 180, <laughs> you know, in their sound. But I like, I like the song a lot. Um, definitely would, would never skip it. I don't think, even put you down, I wouldn't skip. I, I, you know. But then we go into the last song, Real Thing. Uh, love it. Love it. Uh, a great way to end the album. I don't know if I necessarily would have picked this as the closer, but I still love it. And, you know, I love how you can tell they're having fun with it, you know, at the end with the sexual chocolate. And, uh Man, just what a solid album from, from top to bottom. And again, I, I've got nothing but regret for for not checking it out earlier. You know, I, I even I have it on my phone. Uh, you know, but I've got thousands of albums on my phone. Um, but I don't recall like a lot of these songs coming up in my shuffle. And uh, it's unfortunate because I, I never should have waited this long to listen to it. But I dig real thing. Great song. What do you think? Yeah, it's uh to me it's another one that sticks out on this album. You know, it's kind of got an upbeat blues style to it. It's strange but still very cool. And you know, like the last track, it, it sticks out to me. The, the end. They end this album with more of a positive vibe to the darkness that really dominates pretty much the whole album. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it. It's a uh, it's strange how they end this album, you know, with these last two tracks. 
that are kind of like upbeat and somewhat fun. And uh, there was no fun before that. But yeah, I, I dig it. And I don't mind it closing the album. You know, it's, uh, it's just, you know, it's unique. I dig it. So there you go. Our, who was the guy that uh, wanted this album? Stephen Palmer. Thank you, Stephen, man, because I haven't listened to this song so in so long. I mean, this album in its entirety in so long because for some reason, Dirt blew my mind so much that it's always been my go-to. And right. listening to this today, I was like, God damn, man. It brought back a lot of memories. Like, I can't remember and, uh, you know, uh, you know, Sunshine and uh, Confusion. Those are songs I haven't heard in a long-ass time. And listening to this whole album in its entirety, I was thinking, God damn, man. I don't know if this is better than Dirt, but I would put it neck neck and neck, man. I'm, you know, maybe if I put on Dirt again, I'll probably feel differently. But what a great fucking album. And thank you so much, Stephen. I really had fun listening to this album today. Yeah, I agree. Oh, and another thing I forgot to bring up is uh, Sean Kenny almost didn't play on this album because he broke his hand. Oh, yes. I heard about that. The whole album he played with a broken hand. Yeah, and they started to record it with uh, uh, Greg Gilmore from Mother Love Bone. Uh, but Sean was like, no, there's no there's no fucking way, you know, I, I can't play on our first album, you know. And I, I could only imagine if you were in that position, you know, like, fuck, you know, you finally get your shot and, you know, uh, you know, and that, and that happens. But uh, he ended up, he cut his cast off in the studio and kept a bucket of ice by the drum set. And he would ice his hand down when he wasn't playing. And uh, But holy shit, could you imagine, you know, the performance he did and with a broken fucking hand? And he did so good, too, man. It's amazing he's drumming on this album. Oh, it's, yeah. It's a very unique style that guy has. Amazing. And this ended up, it was released August 21st, 1990. And this was the first of the uh, the so-called grunge albums to go gold. It, uh, you know, it beat Nirvana by like a week or two uh, for going gold. It would go on to multi-platinum, uh, double platinum status in the U.S. alone. And man, I'm just so happy, you know, uh, that that we had this one to review and and it was a very easy I because I knew you'd be up for it because I've I've heard you talk about it before and uh, you know much like you though once I heard dirt you know it's almost it was so good you know I didn't want to hear anything else but then of course you know being the fan you know I always kept up but I don't know why I never went back it's a damn shame uh, now it's definitely going to be in my rotation a whole lot more. Yeah, you know, I gotta say, um, as dark as this band was, this is, was one fucking hilarious band. Like, oh, some yeah. its greatest headbangers ball was when they guest hosted on it. Oh, um, yeah. Saw the one that they were at the mansion. They had this mansion. And then the other one, they're at a water park. And, yeah, I love another, that one. And another one, they're in New Orleans. Um, uh, hanging out in New Orleans with the blues players and they were just fucking hilarious especially you know but they were all funny they were all really funny but uh they they were just wacky as fuck it really you know a contrast of the music they played 
You know, they were just a hilarious band. Well, hilarious oh, yeah. bunch of guys. And, you know, and the scene with Pantera, you know, and they used to tour together back then. And, you know, Alice in Chains is in the first Pantera home video. And, you know, they were bands. That, they took their music seriously. Yeah. You know, there was never no bullshit with their music. But, you know, when it came time to play, you know, they played with the best of them. And it's just unfortunate, you know, what happened with Lane, what happened with Mike. Uh, but again, you know, it's like, you know, they, they lose... Mike Starr, and they, and they get Mike Inez, who is just incredible. And uh, I got nothing but respect and, and admiration for Will Duvall. Uh, and, and I hope people give the new shit, you know, get, give it a chance. It's never going to be lame, but I, I still think they're putting out, putting out quality music. And hopefully one of these days I get to see them live. Yeah, and you know, another very sad, tragic tale, and I think it's really eerie how Lane died you know a few days later but on the same day as Kurt Cobain yeah that's right right I'm not thinking wrong right yeah no he 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 was found you know later but his actual death date was the same not the same actual day but like a year or two after but it was on the same day that Kurt Cobain himself yeah that's what I meant and when they found him he had like fingers amputated oh Oh yeah, he he was just a fucking mess. Yeah, that, that yeah yeah he was dead for days, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, man, that I'm telling you, man, I know you did it by accident, Ian. But seriously, man, what what heroin does? Like yeah. I I know a guy, and I I I told you about him. I go see him Friday. That's as far as I'll go. You know how he is. Yeah. That used to be a heroin addict. And he would sit there and tell us how fucking amazingly good it is. And I'm like, well, duh. You know, I'm sure it is. I mean, people die for this shit, you know? And uh, man, I mean, this guy was suffering from heroin addiction all the way down to facelift. I mean, he lived with it for years, you know? Yeah. It's just, look, look what happened, you know? Losing teeth, losing fingers. And he couldn't stop because it's so good. You know, that's yeah. why I really never want to fuck with that shit. No, you know, and I, you know, many people say we are the heroin of podcasts. <laughs> you know, once they listen to us, you know, it just ruins all other podcasts for them. Well, you know, unless you like Terrence Reardon friends. But yeah, no, it, it's, a, it's a horrible drug. And yeah, I mentioned I did it once on accident and never never again <laughs> never look that shit up but this uh, is another thing i hear about heroin like for most people the first time doing it is horrible you throw off and shit but then after that it's awesome um uh, i i didn't throw up but i mean you know i did it on accident at a concert at a poison concert no less uh i don't blame but, you uh, i do it on purpose at a poison concert <laughs> but uh you know no it was just like Man, I, I couldn't fucking move, but I could hear, and uh, I mean, yeah, I was high as a motherfucker, but uh, nothing I would fuck with, and nothing I would even, you know, joke about telling somebody to try, you yeah. know. You know, if Lemmy says no, then I'm not going to do it, <laughs> you know. Lemmy did everything but that. Yeah, and he was very, and for good reason, I mean... 
You know, most people don't make it out alive of that shit. Some people do, but most don't. You know, it's it's very sad, very sad. And uh, I knew look I, at what what a career it cut short. You know, I knew two people that died from it. You know, yeah, it's a scary drug, man. Stay yeah. away. Do blow. Exactly. And, up, <laughs> and uppers, downers, sidewaysers. Well, let's uh, let's not get, get too down. Let's talk about something that's very positive, and that's our fan of the week this week, Stephen Palmer. Hell yeah, man! What a great pick. And again, you know, I told the story, you know, earlier. He's like, "Hey, I, I'm gonna get you, but I can't do it right now." And man, don't I understand that shit, you know? But uh, he did it, man. He always contributes. Uh, you know, not only financially for the fan episodes, but he's, he's active on the page and just been a loyal listener. And man, I, I, I would love to go to other countries and hang out with our listeners, man. Uh, that would be the best if we could ever take this shit on the road, <laughs> you know, take it out of the country. Um, but man, that just shows you the, the great support. You know, here's somebody who, who's helping us get to rock and pod and, you know, he can't make it to Rock and Pod, but he wants to see us go and wants to have his own episode. And, and that's what it's all about, man. And that's why we have the best listeners in the fucking planet. It's why we always have the most listeners that show up to Rock and Pod, you know, because they want to hang out. They want to party. And, and and that's what we want to do, too, <laughs> you know. To, I, I would love to hang out with Stephen Palmer and Adam Marshall. Oh, my God. Hell yeah. There, there, there's so many. Neon Knights, you know. We got so, you know, and listeners in Canada and stuff. Connor Stratton and Guppy. Oh, yeah. But uh, but thank you, Stephen. It, it, it means so much, you know. And and what a, what a great pick, too. You know? Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. He wasn't one of these, like, I'm going to pick, like, the you know, the weirdest album I can think of. And, and I'm not bitching about anybody who does that because I do understand if you're paying for it, you know, why pick an album that everybody else talks about anyway, you know, and if an album means a lot about you, I get why people do the weirder picks. And right. some people just like to hear, they, they know we're going to shit on something, but it's and, also refreshing when somebody picks a classic, you know. And for the record, you know, I may get upset and pissed, but I do love doing it. It's like, just because I hate the album, I'm still extremely grateful that you donated, and I'm going to do it, man. I'm going to do the the episode. You know, I'll, oh, this album sucks, but the person that donated did not suck. That's how I right. Oh, yeah. Trust me, we got some stinkers coming up. You know, some I think's a stinker, and some, you know, you're going to think a stinker, and some we're both going to agree on is a stinker. Yeah. But, you know, we're going to do it just like we do every other episode, and we're going to have fun with it. I welcome them all. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's it's our honor to do these, and, and we really thank everybody who laid out hard-earned money, especially in a time like this, you know, yep. where so many people have been out of work and, you know, hasn't been the best of times, that, you know, our listeners still step up, and, and you know, we still have old episodes to do, but... But our listeners are like, fuck it, you know, they believe in the show, believe in us, and we don't take any of it for granted. Even the crazy ones. Even the, 
That's the thing. We've almost made like, uh, well, of course, not Howard Stern level, but it's like the people who love us listen and the people who hate us listen. <laughs> you know? Yep. And, uh, and that's when you know you're doing, you're doing something right. And what's the coolest is that the people that hate what we're talking about, hate the album, they listen and love it. I love those people. It's like, I hate that album, but I still listen to you guys because even if you hate it, they want to hear us talk about it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you got to love the people that hate us. They're even more passionate than the Kiss fans. Because <laughs> it, it's not that they don't even like the album. They don't like us at all, but they still got to listen because they're so fucking jealous. Yeah. You hear that, Camel Toe? <laughs> jealous of our scary talent. Go <laughs> ahead. Put up another video. I'll dislike that, too. <laughs> and I, I, I encourage all our listeners... You know, give Terrence some attention, too. Give him those dislikes. He loves them. He <laughs> loves them. All right. Well, now it's time to go to pick of the week. And, Ralph, you got one ready, or you want me to go? Yes, I got one. All right. Look at you. A big black cock in a van. <laughs> or an SUV. Or a truck. <laughs> Whatever. No, no, actually, I don't have one, but go ahead. I I'll think of it. Uh, all right. Uh, well, I'm keeping kind of uh, with the theme of tonight, and I think I might have picked this before as a pick of the week, but it, it seems appropriate this week, and in case there's anybody who hasn't heard this album, you need to check out the debut album, actually the only album, the only studio album from Mad Season, and that's Above. Uh, man, uh, is that just an incredible fucking album? It's with Mike McCready uh, from Pearl Jam, uh, Barrett Martin from Screaming Trees, and the bass player was a guy that uh, that he met in rehab. <laughs> that Lane met in rehab. Uh, <laughs> but what a and, and unfortunately he he OD'd years later after Lane. Um, but just an incredible fucking album. It just shows you what a talent. You know, not only the whole band is, but you know, specifically Lane. Uh, you know what he could do outside of Allison Chains, because uh, it definitely sounds like Lane, but it's got its own vibe. You know, and that's you know, of course, a lot of that goes to the band, but it just shows you in any situation uh, his talent shines through, and you know, it's amazing. Uh, there was a box set I believe that was put out that has um, the studio album plus. A live concert that they did at the Moore in Seattle. I highly recommend uh, picking that up because they're just incredible band. Unfortunately, not a lot of people got to see them. They didn't tour too much, but uh, you know there was talk of a second album, but just Mike couldn't get nobody could get Lane really to come out at that point. Uh, you know the last thing he did was that uh, another brick in the wall. That was like him and Tom Morello and a bunch of people. And by all accounts, when he came into the studio, he was at death's door and just a fragment of what he was. And it's so sad because, you know, what it did to Allison Chain's career as far as how they could tour and albums they could put out. I mean, it really is addiction. You know, so many more people suffered besides just him. But, you know... If you're a Lane fan, I'm sure you got it. And if you're like, it's with the guy from Pearl Jam and I hate Pearl Jam, trust me. It ain't no fucking Pearl Jam shit. It's an amazing album, top to bottom. 
Uh, are you familiar with that one, Ralph? Yeah, man. You know what song I love is November Hotel. You, you know oh, that? yeah. God, that's yeah. so good. No, it's a great album. It's different. But, you know, I have, I have like a, a re-release of it. And it's got a really cool cover of I Don't Want to Be a Soldier Mama from John Lennon. Oh, yeah. I, I actually, I bought that. Uh, I bought the, uh, it was a tribute album that came out to, to Lennon. And there's a bunch of different people on it. It's a really good uh, tribute album. I wish I knew the, the name of it offhand. What's that? Is it Working Class Hero? Yes. Yes. A very good album. Uh, Scott Weiland's on it with with a side band he had, and people from uh, REM, Chili Peppers have a song on it. Uh, it's really good though. I'll I take it. Cold Turkey by Cheap Trick. Yeah, real wow. good version. Really great version. But yeah, I mean, this is. I remember like you know, River of the Seat was like the. I think it was the video. Yeah. Um, uh, X-ray Mine was cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't listen to it much, but I do own it. I own that deluxe one. Yeah, I, I recommend get, give it another spin when you get your uh, system up. Yeah, I haven't heard it in a while, so yeah, I will give it a shot. No, it's in my iPod, so I just have to. Oh, awesome. Yeah. All right, I, I got a pick of the week. Um, Mind Funk. You've heard that band, Mind? Yes. Funk? Yes. Uh, their debut album. Uh, yeah, I believe it's just um, uh, Mind Funk, right? I think that's just yeah. they really. Yeah. I couldn't get into the second one. I was talking to, I think it was Ruben or somebody that. Oh my I god! I love that guy. Yeah, uh, the second one is so cool. I was like, God, man! I remember I couldn't get into it at all, and I do own it. But man, that first one is so cool. That fucking. Uh, what's that opening track? Um, uh, Sugar Ain't So Sweet. Fucking Big House Burning. Sister Blue is a gorgeous fucking killer ballad. Um, what a great album. Ride and Drive. Um, I highly recommend it. It's a self-titled Mind Funk album. Came out like around 91. Around there. Yeah. And it really, it's a solid fucking album. I love it. I re- one of the guys was from uh, MOD. Two of them. remember that. Two, Two of them? Bass player, uh, Louis, the guitar player, and John Monty, the bass player. They were, right. both, they were both on Gross Misconduct, which is an awesome album, too, the uh, MOD album. But yeah, Mind Funk is my pick of the week. Uh, great, great song. And I, I, uh, I just thought of it today. I was listening to my shuffle and Sister Blue came on. And I was like, oh man, Mind Funk, that's a great fucking album. Uh, so that's my pick of the week. Yeah, I need to go back and, and check that out. I've, I've got both the albums, but I don't think I ever listened to the second one. And the first one, I haven't heard shit probably since it came out. So yeah, I got good, good pick, man. I need to go check that out. Yeah, I love that album. It's awesome. All right, well, that's our episode, and if you enjoyed that, come back next week when uh, this is going to be an interesting review because uh, this is for for a listener who's no longer on the Facebook page no. as, as the recording of this, but he does have a shot at redemption. We'll see if he takes it, but either way, 
he paid his money, and we're gonna we're gonna review his uh, his uh, pick. But either way, it's gonna be a very interesting review. So come back to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Chuck Bonex. See that train roll?